ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the CMPU, in association with 898 Authentic Rock and Roll, proudly present the ultimate catalog collection. Created by man, they evolved and they rebelled. There are many copies, and they have a plan. What do you think? Do you know that's from Corey? God, I I, I do, but it, it's it, it's it's eluding me at the moment. It's not uh, it's not the A team. <laughs> <laughs> it's the BSG team, Battlestar Galactica. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. See now I'm thinking is the A team like if I would who in the who would Metallica be in the A team? James would obviously be, uh, you know he he'd be the colonel right? He'd be he he'd be the leader, right? Uh, Lars his face man. Oh he's... fuck no! He, Lars has well, no, no charisma. He has no charisma. <laughs> Negative charisma. Lars Ulrich has the personality of a wet mop. Well, who would who would be then? Who would be the the Joker in that part? Kirk. Kirk maybe yeah. It's kind of gangly. He kind of fits the, yeah. physically. I think maybe a little bit. You know. The BA? That's, the, well, that's I mean, Lars. I hate, I hate to... I was going to say, I hate to racially stereotype. <laughs> the closest they've got to, you know. Yeah. But but who, who's the... Uh, uh, who's Murdoch? The, the crazy... I guess that'd be Raptor Heo now. He's kind of... He's kind of crazy. He plays battery nice. with his fingers, for fuck's sakes. The guy's out of his mind. <laughs> oh, my God. Insane. Good stuff. Well, you know what? I should probably tell people uh, why we're here and what we're doing, Corey. Sure, why not? So this is the Ultimate Catalog Clash, where myself and Corey Morissette take on the discography of one artist per season to find out which record will emerge as their best album, according to us. Um, each episode sees us review the songs on one side of one album, awarding 10 points for music, 10 for lyrics, and 5 for production. At the end of the episode, Corey and I will each have a score out of 25 to award to this side of the album, and once we've done both sides, we'll have a combined score out of 100, other than when we do double albums, which is every album this season, in which yep. case then we average. <laughs> Um, once we have all the albums rated, we'll know which one comes out on top. And to see who gets to pick the artist for season three, uh, we have a little game afoot. We have to guess the overall score that we're going to have cumulatively um, on the artist's most well-known record. That was bad English, wasn't it? And that's obviously, that's this record. That's it's the this album. one, yeah. Yeah. And then the tiebreakers are which side of the album in the catalogue was rated highest and then which was rated lowest. So we've already sent our scores off to uh, the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott Askin, mm -hmm. and he'll join us at the end of season two to uh, go over it again. That's right. So, yeah, we're covering 1990s Metallica. That's right. And uh, last week we covered uh, side uh, A, I guess technically, of, uh, of the Black Album, as it's known. Uh, I'll just recap the scores for you because we're going to average those scores with our scores tonight to get our final overall scores for the first side. So I was 9.5, 9.5, and 4.5 on side A. I love side A of Metallica. Uh, I gave two 10, 10, and 5s uh, on this record. Uh, spoiler alert, yeah. if you didn't listen to uh, episode one, Enter Sandman and Sad But True. Two perfect metal songs uh, in my book. And the whole other thing that was just a little bit under. So I was nine and a half, nine and a half, four and a half. Kevin was seven and a half, eight, and three and a half because he is a thief of joy. <laughs> it's not me. It's Lars. You've got to blame <laughs> Lars for my production scores. <laughs> well, I I'm curious because there's one song on this side we're covering tonight where I think Lars is actually pretty damn good. And I'm curious yes. to get your comments on it. <laughs> I did have a quick question, though, for you. I know that Bob Rock produced this album. Yes, but sometimes people, you guys were even talking about this on the Last Aerosmith podcast, where 
you know, I think because it was like a hip hop producer who produced that the, the song that you covered, or was it that might have been the the one before that? But you know, so you said like you know, bring a hip hop vocalist to work on the vocals, but maybe then bring in a rock producer to do the rest. So I just wanted to know, was the snare drum sound on this album produced by Bane? <laughs> because it's very, very loud, and I hadn't noticed that because it was on one song in particular on this on this side that I was thinking, fucking hell, that's loud. And then I went back and listened. I was like, oh, it's pretty much really loud all throughout the album. And I, I would say listen to the uh, Motley Crue album, Dr. Feelgood. Very loud snare in that, okay. too. I, I think it's just a, a Bob Rock staple. Oh, fair enough. Then. I think fair that's enough. why Lars Ulrich uh, grew to love Bob Rock so much. Because like, his <laughs> drums... Really this <laughs> well, yeah, his drums sound pretty good, I think, on this record. So, Yeah. Not drumming style, the actual sound of the drums. Well, yeah. we'll get into the drumming style, but like I said, there's one track he plays pretty well on here. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it might not be the same one, though. Which is going that's to that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Should we get right into it, sir? I think we should do, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into uh, the, the first, uh, I, I don't want to call it a ballad because it's, it's certainly not a love song, but it's the first slow song uh, on the record. And, and Metallica, oh, a big metal band. They don't do slow songs, but, you know, Fade to Black, slow song. One, obviously, very famous slow song. Uh, this is a very uh, big hit for them. Uh, off of this record, it was the second single uh, released uh, from the Black Album. Uh, I think it hit uh, top five, if I remember correctly, uh, on the Billboard charts. Uh, oh, I saw, well, I saw thirty-five is when I was looking, but that might be the mainstream. Maybe in five on the rock charts, possibly. Uh, that that's probably what, it, what I'm thinking here. Uh, UK, uh, sorry, US singles was thirty-five. Mainstream rock was ten. So there we go. Yeah, I must have been thinking of a different one, but it has gone uh, gold uh, for a single, which is five hundred thousand certified unit sales. So. Wow. Not too shabby. They played it 530 times live in concert. This is The Unforgiven. So that horn, Kevin, is actually from uh, the film The Unforgiven from 1960. Not the Clint Eastwood version. I thought it was the Clint Eastwood version originally. It's not that one. It's the one starring uh, Burt Lancaster and Audrey Hepburn. Two st- talk about two heavyweight stars, eh? Oh, Burt Lancaster, Audrey Hepburn. Uh, you don't get any better than that. I mean, Audrey Hepburn, come on, man, give me a break. Have you ever seen Jeez, uh, The Oven Forgiven? I, I, I've never I seen have. this one. Have you? It, it's really good. It's one of those movies I think that kind of gets forgotten about because it was just another Western, right? Mm-hmm. But it's got Burt Lancaster in it, and it's got Audrey Hepburn in it, so the performances are just absolutely stellar. Give it a, As a movie buff and as a, as a fan of uh, film, I think you'd enjoy it, Corey. And wasn't there something about the uh, about this horn uh, that Metallica did here? Yeah, so I, what I was reading was that they reversed it so that they could basically use it without anyone noticing that it was the same the same horn from the movie, which is you know cheeky and sneaky, and I kind of dig that. Great intro to the song too. Yeah, definitely. Well, and and they always come out to uh, uh, Morricone's uh, "The Ecstasy of Gold" for for every concert, right? From the Good and Bad, okay. And the so it, it kind of gives that kind of flavor to it as well. So did they start, did they, would they open with this quite often then? To no, sort no. Of, no, but no. every single show they open with The Ecstasy of Gold by Ennio Morricone. And, and they'll, they'll play that little clip from The Good and the Bad, The Ugly, uh, with the guy kind yeah. of running through the field. Uh, every single concert starts the exact same way, so. Cool.
So your, your thoughts on the drums here, because very restrained from Lars, right? Normally, this is where he'd be like throwing in some reverse crash hits at a yeah. fucking unnecessary run, but he's just just keeping the beat. He's keeping the beat, and and it's 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 good. I, and well, I was gonna, I was probably going to leave this to later on, but, but I was going to throw this at you, Corey. I do think that snare's too loud. I mean, especially in a, in a, a ballady song, I just think it's it's a bit overpowering. But put that aside. I, I, this is primed for, and I don't know if it's just not a metal thing, but a, a rock band, like a hard rock band or a rock band, Aerosmith, would. I mean, Joey would be playing side stick there. You know what I mean? Just to, just to click on the on the side because this is we're, we're building. We don't need. To, I don't think you need to come in with the full snare here, but the pattern. It's great, yeah. He's, he's dialing it back. He's just sitting on the mm-hmm. bike. Well done, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> Guitar is very nice. Uh, I, I love that that kind of Western feel that, that they have yep. to him. And then we're going to get like right into the first chorus. Uh, it, it takes a tonal shift, right? Well, and there's a cool little thing they do right before the, the drums come in there, where there's a little slide up change that he puts so right at the end of the phrase that he's not done through the rest of it. I think is very very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's good dynamics in this. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so we don't usually talk about the lyrics right off the top, we, or we don't often do. Um, I think these are great lyrics. They're very, you know, I use that word quite often in, in when I'm talking about this. They're very cinematic. Mm-hmm. You do get this real sort of, this picture very early on of oppression and sort of, you know, the, of, of pressure on someone. And, and I think like all through this song, I think the lyrics are really good, but I think this first verse sets things up beautifully. My one goal from picking Metallica for this season was to hopefully gain you a better appreciation for James Hetfield as a lyricist. Because I think honestly, he's tremendously underrated. Because... Honestly, four songs in, and I'm at his highs, like his high points. I mean, I don't know what else you, What else do you want from a heavy metal lyric? Well, and they're, they're so profound because like he's originally yeah. writing just from his experiences of being as being a kid in a very strict household, uh, grew up very, uh, very uh, Christian or Catholic. Yeah. Excuse me. His parents even like forced him out of like science classes. Like that, that's how strict they were. So oh, really, a very tough upbringing. But he, like you said, very cinematic. And if you grew up when I did in 1991, you saw the video, which is like a black and white video of like a baby yeah. born in this cell, and growing up to be this very old man in the same cell. Yeah. But James Sadfield as a lyricist, like I'm pretty sure I'm not going to turn you on Lars Ulrich. I'm pretty sure I'm not. I'm hoping I can turn you a little bit on James as a singer because he sings the fuck out of this too. But as a lyricist, I really think, especially coming from Tony Banks, who writes very cinematic-type lyrics, right? Very yeah. different, but still in kind of the same vein. I'm hoping you appreciate James as a lyric writer a little more. And, and as a singer, man, i got to tell you, there's there's one song in this side where I'd written down, like, I actually don't mind the Hetfield, da. It's like, because it works in this song. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming around a little bit. So I, I think what it is is because you hear that affectation in a lot of – stuff that followed it's easy to sort of say well you fucking started this you prick you didn't need to do it now everyone's doing it but he does do it better than everyone else sort of thing so it's kind of it is his thing mm-hmm. so i'm i'm getting used to it i'm definitely getting used to it. i'm nowhere near as his voice doesn't put me off anymore let's say that and in, and in fact in a few places on this album on this side 
I agree. I'm like, yeah, that's a really, really good vocal. He has a great yeah coming up in this song that is just fucking perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep it going from here. I wanted to get to the first chorus, but we'll, we have this little bridge section here first. Good vocal, and they, that's where I think I didn't know Hetfield could do that. You know, and I think I've heard this song before. I'm pretty sure I've heard this song before. I listened to it for the pod. I'm kind of aware of it, um, but yeah, like man, you do that more. It's so effective when you contrast that sort of you know that mid-range, not soprano, but sort of natural voice. If you're just singing in the campfire, that's how James Hetfield sings. And when that's contrasted against his his growling, I think it just makes the growling more effective. Well, and here's he didn't really sing uh, on the first three records, uh, right. is, is how we put it, right? He just kind of growled. And when he when he doubled his own uh, vocal track for like a harmony, he didn't really try and harmonize with it. He was just kind of singing another vocal track. But he, yeah. he he wanted to sing on this record. And uh, he was actually inspired by the Chris Isaac song, Wicked Game. Like in, in how, song. Uh, fantastic song. And how Chris Isaac sang that, he kind of went to Bob Rock and said, I, I, I kind of want to I, I kind of want to sing. I, I don't want to scream anymore. And, and so he would just in. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find the exact quote here. Um, in the past, he had always doubled his vocals. He didn't sing harmonies per se. He just sang the same thing on another track. But the process of doubling doesn't give you character, really. In fact, a lot of times it takes character away because you're hoping that the second vocal gives you the depth that your first vocal should have. So he, yeah, told, I mean, he told James he should record his vocal, but instead of listening to himself on headphones, listen to it on speakers. And the difference he said was amazing. He sang the song because he heard himself in a different way. There was a whole new dimension to his voice, which I found really interesting. Like, I'm not a vocalist or anything, yeah. but the difference between headphones and speakers, you know, really helped him. For sure. I mean, when I'm putting vocals down, I really want them in my headphones because I want to be able to hear when I'm pitchy, when I'm flat and sharp and everything else. But when you, yeah, when you, you've got to hear it in all different sort of environments, but in, in listening in here, in a recording studio, it's really clinical. Is the way I can is the best way to describe okay. it. You don't you don't get the reverb, you don't get all that natural stuff. You get in clean signal, right? So it's not as yeah. You don't feel it now. I would say that he definitely doubles his, his vocals all over this record. And there's a few places on this side where I've actually commented where it's that's the, and it's used well because doubling your vocal, just doubling the lead line that you're singing, fattens it up, right? Just kind of fills it out and makes it a bit beefier. So I think it's really good. My question for you though, Corey, is when you said that this is the first time he sung, or he, that's what he said. Was that just a confidence thing then? Like, was it? Was he always wanted to be a singer, or did he just kind of get thrust into it like so many do? Well, and, and James, I think, really suffers from social anxiety. Like, he's actually quite a shy person. His, right. his stage persona is the complete opposite. You think, oh, there's a guy you'll you'll grab a beer with and, and yeah. know, party and stuff. He didn't even like doing like meet and greets uh, later in his career because he's just nervous around people. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe that was a, a nerves thing. Uh, it could have been his influences too. Like uh, uh, all the big metal singers of the time were just kind of you know screamers, right? And, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that's, you know, th th they were just kids when they did Kill Em All, right? And, you know, he never really had 
that kind of influence until he brought in like a real producer. And I don't want to take away from the production of Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets or uh, Justice yeah. for All. But, um, you know, finally you can go to a guy and say, you know, I really kind of want to open up and sing finally. It turns out, like, uh, you listen to his vocals on the other records, and they're great and all, but they're, 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 this, the vocals here have a real depth to them. Like, they're, re- they're, yeah. they're warm. They have a depth to them. And they have a power to them. And yeah. like when we get to that, yeah, yeah like that's just come, coming from a place like that's straight from the balls, buddy. Like that's just pure fucking power. And, but he but he can sing these quiet parts. What I've felt, what I've known, never shine through what I've shown, never be. And again, great fucking lyrics. I love how he hits never free, never me. Like just a little bit of a. Like, yeah. It, and, and then back into quiet. So I dubbed the Unforgiven. And that line never shine through in never shine through in what I've shown. Again, that's a really. I don't know, like, I, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a big lyrics guy. I really like lyrics, and I like, because I do the Tom Petty thing, I like it when singers cram too many syllables into the line but still manage to twist the vocal just enough to do it. And that's one of those lines where never shine through that in. Yep. That, that makes it awkward. Never yeah. shine through what I've shown is way more natural. Yeah. But the way he sings it, it's superb. Like, I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Never shine. Yeah, the way, yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Okay, uh... I want to go from here, Corey, because I, I rag on Lars Ulrich lots. I've done it. I did it in the last episode. I'm going to be doing it again in this episode <laughs> later on. But here, the lead into this next verse, I think Lars plays ex- the exact right thing on, it's like the, yeah. And, and I'd written down all hail Lars, which is obviously <laughs> Oh, sarcastic, wow. But, but, but a great, it's, this is a great little film. Two notes, right? Bum, bum, Simple, bam. exactly, yeah. exactly. It's just like don't, don't, bum, 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 or da, 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 da. no, don't. That's all you need there. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Do you think uh, Lars Ulrich likes his open hats? I think so. He loves that fucking reverse crash. He has like three of them on his kit, and just yep. every song, that's what he opens with. Uh, that oh. moment is great. There's another one too, and we go from acoustic solo to electric solo. Yeah. Where he, where he, and well, we're definitely playing it, but it's just again just a simple little bump, bump, ba da 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 ba da da da. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, I'm just gonna jizz all over this song. Uh, <laughs> I'm, do you have another? Uh, mine was uh, 327, the acoustic bit going into the solo. Well, actually, the 319. Okay. Because it's the it's that undistor- the undistorted guitar solo, which for me is my favorite part of this song. I just think it's fantastic, and it's like again, like. Holy fuck! You've got this. You've got this guy, Kirk Hammett, who apparently can play shit like this, where he's not playing straight pentatonics. He's playing like you know. You've got that sort of not mariachi. That's not the right word, but almost like a flamenco thing with the intro, right, with that acoustic guitar, and it's got that feel to it. And the, the solo he plays on the acoustic here is fucking superb. Mm-hmm.
Oh my goodness, is your dick hard? <laughs> Come on. I, I, you, you talk about the acoustic solo there and how great that is, but then you have that. It's not, and it's not acoustic, is it? It's not. Yeah, it's, 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 it's it sounds it's, acoustic. I always called it the acoustic bit. Yeah. It's not, but, but, and then you go to Lars. Great little intro there, right? And then uh, reading Kirk Hammond was like, I hate it. Like every solo I tried in that part, and that just came from a place of just raw emotion. Yeah. And he just just went for it, kind of unscripted. He said it was the solo in this song that kind of proved to him he could do a little less scripted solos and stuff. He could just go in there yeah. and improvise something. But, oh, that is so fucking good. Well, it's funny because <laughs> that drum fill that you were talking about there, the, the exact words I've written down, possibly the first time I've heard Lars fill and thought, yep, perfect for that part. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is a great, it's a great little fill. Yeah. And the other thing I'd written in there is... Uh, in the video, I was watching the video for this, and he's playing in that sort of that softer section. He's playing a Fender Strat in the video, and it's like that's definitely a Strat because it's got that super clean tone, or it could even be a Tele, but it's got that super clean tone that's got that like it's almost like that sixties rock and roll tone. It almost sounded like a Dick Dale tone in a way, like surfer rock, right? Which we know Kirk's yeah. a big surfer. Maybe he's <laughs> yeah. It was kind of yeah. weird that a song as dark and deep as the Unforgiven to to break out that kind of tone, but that and then to kick in with the fucking heavy shit. Oh my god. But I was expecting, you know, and then so on the flip side, I'm sort of grounded a little bit here. I thought at 4.06, I was totally expecting a double time changer. I thought we were going to go double time there, and I thought it was really going to sort of explode. And then when it sort of, it comes back in, and, you know, we're, we're at 4.30 now, so it's going to lead into that next chorus. I was kind of disappointed that we were just dropping back into that same very sort of low-key chorus. I was like, oh, man, I thought we were going to, I thought we were going to kick on a little bit from there, you know? I don't, I don't think this song needed that double time. Like uh, other Metallica songs do that, and it works. I don't know if you need that on this one, though. So, I, I mean, all I mean, well, I guess I should have qualified that better. So just like a double time for a bar or two bars. Because he goes, dum, dum, tsh, dum, and I'm like, oh, there we go. And then go back in. Mm-hmm. But I still think, and I'll, I'll make the comment after we've listened to this, this chorus, but I think there's a lost opportunity in this section of the song. For me, just for me. So this is and this is where me and you are gonna diverge. We've been pretty we've been pretty sympathetic up to this point. We've liked a lot of the same things, we've sort of talked about a lot of the same things. I think at this point the song's essentially over. I think the song's done now and the minute and a half or so we've got left is really padding it out. I think I think unnecessarily. Um and I think that that I think they had an opportunity then. This is this is the missed opportunity I think. And again, Corey, you're going to disagree with this, but I'm going to it's our opinions thing. So I think if you push that last chorus and instead of dropping back down into that gentle space, keep the time, but rock it up and let like um like Keith or say fucking Keith and let James <laughs> Then let him belt a little bit. You know, never see, never know. Like, if you get up there and push it, I think that last chorus gets a little impact because I think the way they built everything through that solo, for me, when it drops back down to that same chorus again, I just think it it detracts a little bit. It's just like, ah, oh, man, I kind of wish we were going to push now. Because like I said, the last minute and a half of this song now is just very repetitious and I don't know. I don't know why the fuck you think we would diverge because I think the exact same thing. Oh, cool. The, <laughs> the last minute and a half, it's way too long. 
like the, yeah. the outro way too. Cause I thought kind of the same thing when he gets you label me, I label you. Like yeah, take yeah. that and 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 finish it off that way instead of going back to so I dub the unforgive and then for the same yeah. thing for like a full minute. Yeah, no, I agree totally. Uh, okay, cool. Like we, we I, was, just, I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, my, my one knock on the song, outro way too long. And like you yeah. said, around here, you, you could have done a little thing. Lars could have done a lead. You label me, I label you. Give Kirk a little thing and then go out and, and be finished at 5.15, 5.20. Instead, we go to 6.28 and it's just a little too long. Yeah. Because you could, uh, that that chorus there that you do, you could do sort of a big power chord on the end there if, if you're bringing it up. But then you could have, like, as that decays and fades out, then you could have Kirk doing that flamenco thing again mm-hmm. and let that be the yeah, fade out. I sure. think that would sound super cool. Yeah, yeah. Bring it back to the whole kind of uh, the Unforgiven Western type thing, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, not a lot of uh, faults in this song for me. Uh, my scores will reflect as such. I gave it nine and a half for lyrics. Uh, I think the lyrics are wonderful. Uh, James is one of my favorite lyricists. Uh, even going all the way back to Kill Em All, straight through to 72 seasons, the guy just knows how to write a fucking tune. And lyrics are great. Uh, music, I also uh, I gave a nine. Docked it a full mark because I think the uh, the outro is way too long. And, and that's yeah. really the only knock I can give on it. One of my favorite solos in Metallica history is on this song. Like, and I, I love the, the transition from the cleaner tone to the heavy tone. I yeah. think Lars plays this song perfect. Um, so I docked it a mark really for the outro. And I gave it a four for production kind of for the same reason. It sounds great and clean. Uh, I, I kind of almost thought the same thing about the snare. It didn't bother me as much as you at the beginning. But when the song kicks in with "New Blood Joins This Earth," then I don't. I like the heavy snare there. But right. before that, I think it, he could have laid off a little bit. So I did dock it a little bit for that as well. So I gave the Unforgiven nine and a half, nine and four. Kevin Brown, what were your scores? Well, my lyrics, I went ten because I again, I just don't know. I, I don't really have any criticism of those lyrics. I think they're fantastic. They tell a story. Um, what else have I written? I, uh, there's no yeah it is what I'd written there's no fat on these lyrics he uses each line really effectively there's a lot of content in there and he's not wasting he's not wasting words so I think that again that that economy of songwriting there's only two there's only two verses in this song yeah right so but he does a lot with those two verses and I think it's I think it's a fantastic fantastic lyric music I went eight um I, I, what I'd written is that the two sections I like the two sections of the song they're good but they really stick very close. It's the same thing. The chorus is the chorus, the verse is the verse. And again, there's really no, there's no deviation from that. Um, I think the, uh, the, uh, the, the clean tone solo is again, that's, that's the, that's the part of the song that makes me fully tumescent. That's the bit that gets me, you know, aroused. Um, and I really like the melody too. Like I said, I mean, I think James sings the shit out of this. He does a really good job with it. So Temple Lyrics 8 for music. This is where, you know, I went production 2.5 because that snare just really distracts me in that in that, in that opening bit and in the quiet sections, and it's way, way, way too fucking long, mm-hmm. like we said. I mean, I think that I think that there's a, there was a chance lost there to make this song, you know, even better. Had they trimmed that down to that sort of five minutes and ended at that last chorus and done the, you know, whatever they did at the end of the flamenco thing, whatever, I think then you've got a much tighter, much more interesting song because that the, the last minute and a half is just like, fuck's sakes, come on. You know, how many times do we say that with Genesis? We think, come on, you could have ended this like at least a minute ago. You're just doing the same thing. I, now, I was so. going to say uh, Webster's Dictionary defines irony as the Genesis guy saying the Metallica <laughs> song is just too long. <laughs> but this isn't prog rock, right? No, but heavy metal's known for their big, long songs, too. Well, I know that what's the, there's a song on the first album, right? Four Horsemen? Oh, yeah. Is that one? 
that's a long song, but that's not that doesn't it doesn't repeat a lot of stuff all the time. And I think that's where that and that's you know seven thirteen, so that's longer than this one. But I don't think that one is too long. I gotta tell you, too, I know we're not we're not doing the you know the the first four albums, but hit the lights. I was listening to that again. That came up after greatest the, opener, heavy metal that opener is ever. A fucking great song. That's a great song. Yeah, <laughs> and, and don't forget, seek and destroy is on that fucking record, which is an yeah. all-time classic. There's another one, six fifty-four, but not a wasted second on that one. But, yeah, so yeah, ten, uh, ten, eight, and two point five. So again, the production lost me a little bit, but you know, I, again, I, I'm not going to criticize it too much. So, well, that's not too bad. All right, let's get into our second song here on side B. Played 841 times, and for good reason. This is a song about life on the road. This is called Wherever I May Roam. How do you like that electric sitar? Super cool, man. I mean, <laughs> I'd written down, though, do you think that James had been listening to Power Slave and Seventh Son by Iron Maiden a lot? <laughs> With this song, right? Because it's got a this song, that riff, God, that sounds like Iron Maiden. There's bits in it, but also, do you, you know, a band called um, a Canadian band, uh, Canadian band called Tea Party. Yes, of course, very that's Tea got Party. That exact same thing, yep. right? Yeah, that, that's the Grand Bazaar. But they, I was looking at it. I was wondering, what's that? I wonder who came first. Well, Metallica released this in '91, and the Tea Party started as a band in '91. Yeah, but so Grand Bazaar, I'm pretty sure, was like '94, '95. Like that was mid '90s. Okay. I yeah. saw Tea Party Live actually. They're they're pretty decent for a three piece. Good, yeah. yeah, really good. Oh, they're only three piece. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Come on, he didn't. There was no reverse okay. crash. There was no open hats. It was just bum 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 bum. No, it wasn't that. It, if it was that, it would have been better. If you listen to that, he fucking speeds up. I don't think he speeds up. You're full. He of, speeds you're up. On crack. He speeds up on the last. It's either the last three or the last four hits. He speeds up. You can hear it. All right, I'm going back. We're gonna check right. this out because I, I think you're on coke. He speeds up, brother. You're a shitty drummer. He speeds up. He, he speeds <laughs> up. Now, what I'd written down was, he, if, if he meant that, then that's fucking genius. Because get that timing right is really, really hard. It, it was maybe a smidge Not ahead. convinced. Maybe, I a, just, maybe a smidge. I just, I just think, and I mean, he does that fucking same thing so often in this song. Think of something else to play there. I think you could do something better there. Anyway. See, I, I, I compare it to Lars now, and I appreciate the simplicity. Okay. Because Lars now would do something kind of stupid there. Right, like that. Oh, that's a pretty off. long <laughs> section. He go, <laughs> like, <laughs> I love your laws. <laughs> oh, I just hit my oh, mic. My I was Lord. doing the the drumsticks, and yeah. I hit my mic. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, you got to stick out the tongue. You got to flick it, and you got to. <laughs> All right, we're gonna keep going though, because th- th- this is a really uh, cool heavy riff.
Okay, he was in time on the second one there. He was, but he wasn't on the one before that. So he does, he does a ba-ba-cha-ba, and he comes in. Okay, now I'm, I'm, there's going to be like two. I've only got two more in this song where I think, fuck off, Lars. But that one, again, it's like you're ahead of the beat. And you can actually, on that one, you can sort of hear him slow down and to wait to get back in time. And I think, you know, if you're doing a, if it's like, if that's on Kill Em All, or if that's on, you know, if, if it's The Who on Who's Next or something where you're going for a sort of a lo-fi garage band aesthetic, yeah, leave all the warts in. But this album's really produced. So it, it, I just find it jarring. I know it's super picking. I know no one else gives a fuck about it. But it's those little things to me. When, and again, because I'm a, you know, I'm fucking hard on Lars. I'm listening for these things. I'm like, ah, there's another one. See, um, and that's why I think you're wrong, because Bob Rock would have picked that stuff out. I, I trust his ear more than I trust yours, because you listen to a lot yeah. of shit. <laughs> it's getting feisty, folks. I knew it would on this song. You downvoted 39. <laughs> oh, here we go. Back in my face again. <laughs> I do love that that cymbal hit going back into the riff, though. Like, And this riff is fucking killer. I'm not listening to the drums so much. I'm listening to the guitars. Oh, man. this And I'd written down, because that in the halftime, when they're playing that sludgy, doomy section, I don't... I mean, maybe you do know this. I, I'm assuming they're Black Sabbath fans, because that's oh, yeah. an Iomi riff, right? Yeah. And it's that really slow... That could be a Black Sabbath one. Exactly, yeah. That's record, very right? early Sabbath, yeah. I had that yeah. exact same thing written down. <laughs> but then what I like is, though, then... On that 48 second mark when it breaks into this straight time when we go to full time all they've been doing really were 56 seconds in now they've just been playing that riff over yep. and we've had the you know the, the sitar at the beginning so they changed it up but again i think as long as you change the dynamics of the song as long as you move it along and come and change the time signature now or not the time signature sorry but the tempo mm -hmm. it keeps it from starting to get like fuck you know you've done this now let's get on with it i think it's, i think it works i think playing it for this long works the way they've they've arranged this piece so. as opposed to the unforgiven which kind of wears at the end because it's the same thing but with maybe a couple of different you know tom yeah. hits or something but it doesn't do enough to make it interesting where here it does when you've got so he's playing he's playing that he's doing that little trill at the end that little hammer yeah. on pull off and you've got kirk and james and I'm assuming it's probably um, Kirk's probably playing that part, right? The main, the main lick. Yeah. But James is playing that. It's it's really distorted and overdriven. The guitar he's playing, and they've got him on slightly panned over to the left and right channels. So you get this again. You get this big width in in this in this riff that makes it fucking immense. Like it's a big, 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 big riff. And it helps you can hear the bass too, which you couldn't on the previous record. Yeah. And bass. I mean, I, you know, generally on the bass, I've not been talking a lot about the bass or making very many notes. I think there's it's either this song or the next one where it did make, and I was like, ah, there, I can hear the bass very well now. But he tends to be playing really either just following the riff or sticking to the root notes, which, again, I think it's probably a heavy metal thing where you don't want the bass player syncopating playing all over the place. Unless it's Cliff um, Burton. <laughs> well, well that, and see, I'm, I'm out of my element there. I don't know enough to, <laughs> to contrast and compare, but yeah. yeah. And remember... Uh... You know, Cliff could could do no wrong, kind of in Metallica and their fans' eyes, right? Yeah. Here comes Jason Newstead. He was in a no-win situation, you know, right, sure. right from the get-go.
What do you think of that whispered bit? That I really like line. it. I really, oh, do you? Yeah, okay. I really do. I, I know you don't because you didn't like the fucking prayer in Enter Sandman either, but because <laughs> you, you have no soul. You're a little British man who, who can't be out in the sun too long. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm getting my fucking ass kicked tonight. I can't do anything about it because they're really good punches. They're really These are good punches. Um, and the road becomes my bride. I, that's I, I so just, heavy metal. Yeah, I just always find it a bit fucking silly. No. It's just one of those things I just don't like. And Maiden does it a few times, so I'm like, ah, oh, fucking Jesus, here we fucking go. I just find it a bit cornball. But, again, that's a, it's a personal preference thing, I suppose. So, But, again, great lyrics. And the road becomes my bride. I'm stripped of all but pride. So in her I do confide in. She keeps me satisfied. Gives me all I need. It's all about. It's another song about life on the road. Oh, and you're making a fucking face. It's great, great lyrics. It, 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 it's Highway to Hell, Metallica style, right? It's life on the road. It is, but pride, confide, satisfied, bride. And it all works. Know. And it all works. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just—it's a bit okay. So, there's—I think it's the—I think it's the next song, or maybe it was—maybe it was uh, Unforgiven, where his rhyme scheme was really good because he was—he was rhyming on the one and the four, or on the sort of the two and the three. It's, but he wasn't doing that. And I just—I'm always any anytime you've got a, a four-bar verse and the end of every line rhymes, I'm always a bit like. But he only rhymes the three. So, yeah, so we got Bride, Pride, Confide, then Crave, Save, Slave. Well, Well, no, Bride, Pride, Confide, Satisfied. Yeah, but then the second verse, you have Crave, Save, Slave, and then Vagabond. Yeah, but Vagabond, that's into the pre-chorus, right? The the Roman Wanderer, that's the the pre-chorus. So it's just that, and again, it's a me thing. I just don't always like it when it, because it always feels a bit like, you know, if if a a 17-year-old starts writing lyrics... They think that everything should rhyme at the end of the line, and that's what they do. And Hetfield, because he is so good of a lyricist, I hold him to a bit of a high standard uh, in this one. So, no, no. But think about it. If this we're, was, we're extre- definitely going to diverge on this one. If, if, if this was extreme, uh, two of those four would be bright. Like he would <laughs> use the same word again, right? You know, he would. Uh, he would use the word bright again, probably on the on the first yeah. and the third, right? Or probably the first and the fourth, where it doesn't even make sense. Like hell, it, it, at least th- th- this is clever. I think this is clever. Yeah, fair enough. We, we just have to agree to disagree on this one. I think. <laughs> I, I can find someone else to host this fucking show. Okay, this is this section of the song I love and hate almost in equal measure because I think the cadence of what James is doing there and the way that changes, you know, what, what is that? What's that line? Roma, Wanderer. No, that's so cool. Yeah. Because it's really sort of staccato and punchy. But then we get da 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 on the snare. It's like, Jit Lars, for <laughs> fuck's sakes, play a different fucking lick. It drives me crazy, Corey. The, the, the amount of times he plays that fucking same thing. In this song, Ugh. doesn't bother me at all. Again, I'm, oh my I'm, god, it annoys the shit. I, I am listening to James and the guitars mostly uh, in this song. To me, it's yeah. all about the riff. Uh, so if, if I sat there and I picked apart the drums, I'd probably be as annoyed as you are. But whenever I hear the song, I can't do it because I'm listening to the great lyrics, the amazing singing, and the fantastic fucking guitars. But how can I mean, they're Bane level? It's a Bane level <laughs> snare drum. I mean, how can you not hear that? <laughs> I don't think it's Bane level. I've heard bigger, <laughs> especially in 80s uh, hair metal bands. I've heard bigger. Oh. I'm telling you, Dr. Feelgood, listen to that album. 
like Tommy Crew. We, we've I talked know. about Crew, man. I don't like Crew. So. But I'll, I'll give it a listen. Though. I'll just just the Sonics, you know, and for the for the professionalism of being a podcast person, yeah. I'll give it a listen. We report back next week. Listen to some Bob Rock produced records. Doctor Feelgood being the main one because that was kind of the inspiration sonically for what Metallica was going for on this record. So what is it called? What's the Motley Crue album called? That I got to listen to Doctor Feelgood. Doctor Feel. Well, I know that song. Is that smoking in the boardrooms on that one too? Nope, right? that one's on Theater of Pain. Oh, good. Okay, I don't have to listen to that again. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Great news. That that album you did, skip. Oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> So we had bass there, dude, dude, like on the descending, yeah. right? And then where I lay my head is home. Yeah, and a great James. Yeah, at the end, like it doesn't get much better than that chorus-wise. I think for Metallica, love, love the, love the bass. And I'm, again, I, I knew this song was going to split the room. <laughs> I just don't like wherever I roam. I was like, I've heard that lyric so many times. Where? It's so overdone. Name eight There's times a... you've heard that lyric. Well, Paul Young did a. Who gives song a fuck called... about Paul Young? I mean, it was a number one. <laughs> so, I've just... All I know is every again, time you go I, away. Again, I'm coming around to this whole thing of Hetfield being a fantastic lyricist because, like I said, there have been... I think there's three or four, maybe three tens on the first two sides of this record for me, which I don't fucking give out lightly, by the way. To get a ten, you've got to be writing a lyric that I can't find really a fault with, right? Mm -hmm. So, just... <laughs> anywhere I roam, where I lay, where I lay my head is home. I mean, I know that it's okay, it's life on the road and everything, but you could write, you can write a better lyric than that because it's just an old cliche. You know, it just it's like you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Like, okay, well, fucking hell, like it really? That's what you're going with? I don't know, man. I just it drives me. I, I don't like that line. I don't you, like it. You, you can tell that you're not a, a traveling musician. <laughs> That's for sure. I was, it was, hey, I was in the army, man. I've, I've fucking traveled. I've slept in the back of vans yeah, I know, and buses, and, you know. You had a rifle in your hands, not a guitar, my friend. So, <laughs> but no, I, I, they're not. It's not fucking Shakespeare, but it doesn't have to be. It's a heavy metal song. Yeah. I'll take my I time anywhere. You're free to speak my mind anywhere, and I'll redefine anywhere, anywhere I, I roam, where I lay my head is home. I love that line. Also, you were just you were criticizing um, uh, Mr. Sharon there about using the same fucking word to rhyme at the end of every line. Mm -hmm. <laughs> three there but it's a little different that's intentional oh it's different okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think of the gary song on the new record where he did that where he just lazy rhyming and... oh god there's some tr there's some awful crap on that record. there's there, some really good stuff on that you record, know what? but there's yeah. some really bad stuff I, I think that. overall i said good record like the first four or five songs are are killer and then you get into like ooh, ooh, what's yeah. that Ooh, there's some oh beautiful girls no record. no <laughs> <laughs> Get and the earth becomes my throat. That's so cool. Yeah, it's just not for me. So you're not a metal guy, and <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. not a, yeah, and, and I'm not really a metal guy either. I'm sure that all yeah. that, like the the George, uh, George from the Judas Priest cast, he's probably like, this is shit, and he's probably right because he's a big metal guy. I'm not. Yeah, as kind of a baby metal guy, I'm like, that's cool. Yay, a baby metal guy. I love that. <laughs> you know what's gonna be fun though is when when we put when you know when people listen to this, and I'm hoping that George and you know Quinn from On yes. Roll, I really want them to listen to this because I think that. Because they are sort of, you know, they listen to, you know, George just posted today on, on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> um, which we'll tell people when, about his 50 
favorite uh, metal albums from this year. I didn't know any of them. I'm like, who the fuck is oh, that? Oh, fuck no. I don't even know any of the bands. What are you kidding me? Like, well, Priest, I guess, but yeah. Like, so. Wait, 72 Seasons isn't on there. I like that record. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm a baby metal guy. Baby metal. <laughs> That's got to be a t-shirt now. I love that. I, I adapt to the uh, the earth becomes my throne. I adapt to the unknown. Under wandering stars, stars I've grown by myself, but not alone. That's very much being in a band, right? I, yeah, I got I these just... guys with me everywhere I go, but I'm by myself. That's such a band dynamic. And then that little effect they put on the I ask no one. Like it's it, yeah. it's almost like the, this inner rage of you know the shit that breaks up bands. It was kind of in that verse. I really dug that. There's a lot of a lot of context there if oh, you totally. look for it. I, totally. I mean. <laughs> It, it really is just the the overrun is what I'll call it. That just I just can't get past that. And again, it's it's a fucking me thing. Like it's not a look, Corey. James Hetfield is a multimillionaire many times over <laughs> because he writes great lyrics. And who the fuck am I sitting in my seat in Saskatoon <laughs> criticizing this guy? But just for me, I just don't. It, it throws me off so much that I can't get past it. It's one of those things. It's a blocker, right? So thank God I didn't pick Def Leppard for this season because. Again, I, I mean, I, I think we, I can turn we you can on. Do it. It's, we can do it. It's going to be worse than this. I love Def Leppard, <laughs> and I think I can turn you on some stuff. But you've got so much preconceived shit in your head. I don't know if I can reverse it. You've been, you've been. Bra- I've broken down. Like I said, I've. Well, that's why I thought Metallica could be a good one. I thought you could come around on some stuff. Def Leppard. I, I think you're so up your own ass about that because I listened to you on the Rush Rash talking about oh, the, the 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 Def Leppards. I, I made it through all 14 and a half hours of that episode. Well, can, you, should, we, you know what? There's a T-shirt in the mail on the way to you because anyone who listens to that whole thing, first off, is insane. And second of all, is a trooper. Thanks well, I, I couldn't do it all in one sitting. It took a few different sittings. but Fuck, I could barely do it all in one sitting. I was on it. I know. You were, t- you were messaging me while you were recording. Hour 45 and we haven't even spun the wheel yet. <laughs> We love you, Chaz. Thanks, buddy. We absolutely love the hell out of you. It was, it was a black. Hey, look, recording that show, uh, the Rush Rush podcast, uh, covering the Rush catalog the, with uh, Chaz Charles, it was two and a half hours of absolute madness, <laughs> but it was so much fun. I wouldn't take any, I wouldn't take a second of it back. If you go to 311 and play through to about 340, so it's about 30 seconds ish. Okay. Because there's one really good fill that's got a Nico McBrain feel. And then at 3.37, I want you to watch the counter there, Corey, and 3.37 is possibly the most unnecessary fill that I've heard on this album so far. So let it roll. Uh, uh, this album, you're, you're probably oh, right. This album. In, in Lars's history, man, we're going to have a lot of different <laughs> options for you there, my friend. He is the Steven Tyler of fucking drummers getting in the way of what someone else is doing. Yeah, that, that time he was. And that's a really good analogy, actually. I'm here, too. Exactly. But oh, that we... first, because he, he did a couple earlier on where there was like it was a, either a triplet 
it was either I think it was a triplet on the yep. kick. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I thought it was super cool. I mean, again, and I can't, I can't play that. And again, I'm criticizing yeah. Lars Ulrich. I and can't I, play that. Shit. And I love that double but, uh, symbol hit he does there. Just a quick, excellent. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but that, that run there, yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Like hilarious, said, really, is what it's fun. He was pretty reserved on this record. First record with yeah. Bob Rock, he's pretty reserved. I, I'm, I haven't listened to Load and Reload in so long. I'm really interested to see if he kind of – it's like Tony Banks jerking off on the keyboard. Lars is doing yeah. it on the drum kit, right? I'm curious to see if he does more of that on those later records. I honestly don't remember sitting here talking to you tonight, but I, I, I think he might, and I think it might be really funny to talk about. So. That'll be great. <laughs> All right, let's listen to the guitar solo, shall we? So pretty reserved from Kurt on that, especially after coming off of uh, the Unforgiven and the great solo there. This is pretty, I don't know, kind of in the box. Great though, because again, this is where this song reminds me of Maiden. In some places, Adrian Smith and Dave Murray—that's exactly the kind of shit they do. All over Power Slave, all over Seventh Son. It's that doubled lead, right? And it, so, is when I don't know if, when they play this live. They play this live. Oh yeah, they play it live lots, right? Eight hundred and forty-one times. Yeah. Do does. Kirk play that with like a course pedal or does he just play it straight or does does James jump on and like how do they do that live well, I'm pretty sure James is just straight rhythm I'm, he's uh, okay. Kurt has so many pedals yeah he's she's probably just a course pedal or yeah. something or okay yeah that, that that's what I would think but uh, I don't think they played this in Saskatoon when I saw him unfortunately okay. but Same comment as the first song. Same comment as Unforgiven. I think the song's done there. And I think there, if you have that, because that last little lick that he plays there is super cool because he's getting those sort of, they're not quite pinched harmonics, but he's doing something where he's getting that that kind of squeaky, squeaky kind of tone that he's doing. Mm-hmm. You could finish there and just have one last crash and kick. And I think the song's, I think the song's great there because, again, it, it, we're, we're sort of done here now. The song's not, it's not going to go anywhere else. We're just going to kind of repeat a bunch of stuff. And I would say that the second solo is not nearly as interesting to me as the first. It's good hoodle hoodler, as Mr. Woodscott likes to call it. Really fucking well played. And like I said, I love that last phrase. But that first solo is the best part of the song to me. That double bleed, it sounds fantastic. Now it's just a bit like more like, okay, well, you're just shredding now. And I'm okay with that. I'm whatever. It's fine. But do it live. Don't put it on the record. It's funny. I thought the second solo was more interesting than the first one. <laughs> I like the hoodle hoodlers. And I, I disagree where I, you said the song is, is okay. done here. I, I, I think we get a little bit more. Uh, we we got to get a second part of the chorus that I really like that I wanted to, to skip to here at about 5.13. You bet. Anywhere I roll, where I lay my head is home. Called upon my stone, my body lies, but still I roam, yeah. 
I just like that carved upon my stone, my body lie, but still I roam. And then a couple of great James Yaz. And then this part yeah, here goes but, on a bit too long. We're 524. It goes to 645. I agree with right. you there. Uh, I would have extended a little more from where you wanted to end it, but I agree. Uh, this one didn't need to be as long. And you could have done that earlier, right? Because there's another chorus before this. Yeah. Because I do. I, I, I agree. Drag, uh, not dragon, sorry, but extending that chorus out, the card from my stone thing, that is cool. But I think put it in the, in the, verse, uh, the chorus before this and then do the solo and then... You know what I mean? Like, and then end it, cool, yeah, but, and, and don't end kind of, yeah, uh, very repetitive. Now, uh, Lars does a lot of shit in, in the outro. Oh, if you want to listen um, to that at all, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm not a huge fan of the outro either, because Lars is just like, it's very much like Tony on the key. Look what I can do. Yeah, like, yeah, great and all, but does it service the song? And yeah. I, I thought very much on side A and B. I thought Lars did a, most, uh, mostly served the song. And in some cases, completely served the song. This track, not so much. I I, I will uh, concede that point to you, especially yeah. on the outro of, of this track here, where he's just bumble fucking his way through. It, it's just, I remember listening to him like, what? What is he doing? What There's some cool to... stuff though. Like I love the double symbol yeah, hit. That... I, I, but how many times does he do it? Well, well quite a bit thing, in this right? song, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, quite a I bit. <laughs> All it's right, not a fl- it's not a flavor; it's a crutch, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what are your scores? Oh, I, I even dread to ask because I really love this song. What are your scores on "Wherever I May Roam"? Yeah, you're not going to like this. I mean, I will say that <laughs> before I get into this, that this is the one song on definitely on this side of the record. I think actually on the album that every time I've listened to it, I've kind of liked it less. Ooh. So I'll start with the I'll start with the positives though. That riff, that main riff is fucking fantastic. I love that riff, especially when it changes to full time. When you get that big doomy thing, he's like, "Oh, that's a really cool riff." When it changes to full time, then it really takes off, and it's just badass. I love it. Um, that was hammer-ons and pull-offs at the end. Of that phrase is great. The bass is a bit indistinct, but it's falling the roots. So I just the drum track in this one, it just tanks it for me. <laughs> but I'm still giving it a seven musically because I think that all right. That intro, the moodiness of broodiness of the intro on this guitar is great. Riff's great. Lyrics, it's a five for me just because I just can't get past bride, pride, confide, satisfied, thrown, unknown, grown. <laughs> I, I just, nah, fine, whatever. And they're just, I think, again, I think they're actually the weakest lyrics from the, this is the fifth song we've done. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably the weakest lyrics out of those five songs for me. Um, and then production, again, I went 2.5 because I don't mind the basic arrangement. But it, again, it just goes on for too long, and Lars's fills is just—they're all over the place. Um, and again, I, I really just don't like that break to halftime on the title line. Anywhere I roam, where I lay my head is home. It's like—I I know that you're supposed to drop a song out and bring it back up, but it's—it's it's just too much in this song for me, Corey. It's just for me. I'm not ever a metal guy, I'm not a Metallica guy. I'm turning. I'm on the turn. <laughs> but this one—this one's a big miss for me. So big I'm glad miss. we've done it now because. In two weeks, if I'd listened to it another 15 times, we're probably about a, a fourth, two, and fucking one at that point. So, because it's only been going downhill. So, the riff is king uh, for me. Uh, Super, absolutely. Yeah. Love this riff. Uh, musically, I gave it a, a nine because of the riff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I could sit there and, and nitpick the drums to death, but I want to be happy in my life. I don't want to sit there and just <laughs> point out flaws everywhere. Like, we only have one life to live, Kevin. Like, why, why be yeah. so dour? On, on Mr. Ulrich. He's just trying to entertain. Let's cut him some slack. Nine for music, nine for lyrics. I, I think that's clever. 
the the right yeah. you you think it's lazy i like to see you do better you motherfucker i bet you you can't <laughs> as you're choking on your drink <laughs> write don't me a better song the, don't do it on the inhale you fucker <laughs> write me a better song tonight and bring it for next week that has uh the same rhyming scheme on on, on three different lines all right okay okay and uh you can't do it because i've heard your shit and then uh, for uh <laughs> production i gave it a four because i think it sounds great i docked it a floor mark because it's too long and yeah Lars gets a little yep. fucking bubble fucky and you know he he he's Tony Banks of of this band. I'm, I'm so glad we have a parallel to to Genesis. <laughs> Lars is the Phil is the Tony Banks of of Metallica, and yeah. and and the, and the Steven Tyler for that matter too. We just did a song on the Aerosmith podcast where Steven makes a noise all the way through the entire thing, <laughs> the entire thing. He's very much the and Lars Ulrich loves Aerosmith and he loves Steven Tyler, so maybe he just he took the wrong message away. I think from. From from Steven Tyler, but yeah, I was nine nine and four. Um, I, I could sit there and pick apart the flaws, yep. but I love this song. The riff is king, and, and the riff in this is so bloody heavy and cool. I love it. It is. I mean, again, I mean, I think I sort of written somewhere and I can't find it now. But it, the it, the riff's so good, but I think that's what maybe bugs me a little bit about it is that nothing else I, elevated the, up to that. I don't level. think the songs. I don't think the rest of the songs good enough okay. to service that fucking fantastic riff. You know. But and again, that's so that's Hetfield, right? That's a Hetfield riff because he. This is a Lars and Lars and James, James. I believe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's all James Hetfield. So again, I mean, I'm I'm definitely getting my head turned. Like this guy's a serious musician, which I didn't. I thought he was kind of the punk thrashy. You know, again, that's my preconception about this type of music. But mm-hmm. sure. kid can kid, kid can write. You know. Can't wait to be getting load and reload because those are more uh, Lars and Kirk albums. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be fun. But before that, we got one more track on side B to cover. Uh this is this was played twenty times. Metallica's great for digging deep into the catalog and, and playing like like deeper cuts. So I think they've played every single song they've done at least once. And they've done really? this one. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I wow. have no evidence to back that up. But especially on like they're doing their no repeat weekend tour right now, they're they're breaking out some deeper cuts. They played this twenty times. Uh this is a little track called Don't Tread on Me. That is such a Metallica intro. You have that heavy da da da, and then the melodic. Do you know where that's from? Yeah, you know, so it's America from West Side Story. I mean, and it's so funny because I'm, I, I mean, it will probably not surprise you, but I really quite like musicals. So remember, nothing wrong with a good musical. I tell you, Little Shop of Horrors is one of my favorite things ever. I heard that. I was like, ooh. That's kind of cool. That they've appropriated that. But what I love about that intro too is that it doesn't. The, the one isn't exactly where you think it's going to be. Yeah. Because the da da da, and then the, that's that next beat. You think, oh, there's the one, and then that riff comes in. Not and you're still not quite sure when they play this bit, and then when the song starts, it's like, ah, there's the one. So if I'm left guessing on that, I fucking love that. It's like right now by Van Halen, right? It's the mm-hmm. same thing. It doesn't come in on the one. This one does come in on the one, but you don't think it's the one. So that's even cleverer. <laughs> That's where you fucking use that. That's where you use Ratasat. That's br- I'd love it there. Yeah, fucking love it there. 
<laughs> on wherever I may roam, because it was everywhere. I was like, fuck that. <laughs> so... He only used it 43, 44 times. Like, come on, cut him some slack. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Do you remember a, a story? Is it a Canadian, very Canadian story uh, from a while back about a woman who was walking uh, in British Columbia and she came upon a wild cougar. And, and she was trying and she was she was with her dog. She's like, we're, we're going to fucking die. She pulled out her phone and started blaring this song to scare the cougar away. Really? Yeah. Because she, I mean, she thought, I, I, I need to, like, make loud noises. And the, the, the loudest thing she had was the Black Album on her phone. So she played Don't Tread on Me to scare the cougar away. And I, Meta- I love the imi- Metallica I love the heard that. Uh, and, and, and they were like, they like, face, like that's so fucking badass. Like, yeah, no kidding. Staring down a cougar and you played Metallica to scare it away. Like, that's so cool. I do love, though, the, the idea that, okay, I'll just find it. No, no, wait, 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 wait. wait <laughs> yeah, wait. Mr. Cougar, just hold on. Yep. Yeah. Apple Music, Metallica. No, 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 not that one. Just, just fucking, just wait a minute. Yeah. Oh shit! I clicked there Mariah Carey. No, I got to go back. <laughs> <laughs> but what a cool Fantastic. story, eh? Like, uh, yeah, no kidding. That's, that I, is badass. I've walked through the forest of British Columbia. Coming upon a cougar is a pretty common thing. That and black bears. So make sure you got your Metallica on you in case you got to scare something away. <laughs> Good song to do it though. Like very heavy. Well, thematically, don't tread on me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Don't bite me. <laughs> no bitey. <laughs> I just found a quote from the woman. Uh, she said, <laughs> quote, I thought it was the noisiest thing on my phone that would probably scare it. But that was also <laughs> the message I wanted to convey to the cougar. As soon as the first notes blared out, <laughs> it ran into the bush. <laughs> Metallica saves lives, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So, okay, look. Straight away in this song, we, when we cut into this riff, who would have ever thought, Corey, that you could make a rock song better by putting a little bit of fucking roll in there? <laughs> I didn't know that Lars could fucking swing his hats. Yeah, right? <laughs> fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Okay, first of all, I fucking love that ascending riff because it's it's sort of it's slightly atonal because it doesn't go always full step. They're changing it, but you know it's a really interesting sort of ascending riff, I think. And the vocal to match that because you've got to really nail that that change because it's not exactly where you'd go. It's not one four five. It's not one three five or flat three five or whatever it is. You've got this kind of weird step up, and vocally that's really kind of. It can be challenging to do that properly. So again, huge props to, to James Hetfield. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to say, I've criticized the snare a lot on this album, and I'm fucking going to talk about it lots later on too, but at 108, I don't know exactly what happened, but the snare is mixed differently. It drops a little bit. And when you listen to that, and when I was listening, I was like, fuck, that's how it should be on the whole of this album. Okay. Because right there, the, the, the tone of the snare is great. The, 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 the whip's crack of it is great but it's just too loud, but they drop it back a little bit. To my ear, at least. So, but it, And it's right at 108, I think. And it's so, it's like, um, yeah, the, it's like when he sings Don't Tread on Me, that's with the, yeah, anyway. So. 
Uh, before we get there, we're two seconds away okay, from that. Sure. I want to talk about the lyrics a little bit. Uh, yeah, Liberty okay. or death, what we so proudly hail, once you provoke her, rattling of her tail. Uh, because Don't Tread on Me, is, it's that flag, right? It's called yeah. the, the Gadsden flag, I think it is. But it's also the snake that's on the cover of the album, too. Yeah. So, uh, very again, uh, very, very clever lyrics, I thought. When I was reading the, you know, we haven't got to the chorus yet. Well, maybe we'll wait till we get to the chorus then, but we'll talk about the lyrics there. So, yeah. yeah. We're, we're coming up to that. Uh, that I, I never noticed the, the, the snare change, so we're, we're going to... Listen for it. Okay. It's, it's lower in that section. It's lower. Hundred yeah, percent is lower. It's lower. Yeah. And it's just just that little bit where you where you're taking just a, it's taking a wee bit off that top end because the snare is obviously a very trebly you know it's a trebly drum. I just think it, and I again I mean I'm I'm listening to this over Zoom so I can't hear it exactly the way we're we're going to get it but it was stood out for me Corey so much that I wrote it down that I thought fuck me you trick check trim that back like I don't know what it is two decibels three decibels and I think it just the rest of the song emerges from the shadow of this fucking booming snare and i love it i think it sounds great there it's definitely lower yep uh, you're absolutely right i wanted to ask you because you were in the military and this is a song very much about kind of military and war and so be it threaten no more to secure pieces to prepare for war uh yeah. what, what did you think about the 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 theme of the song i think so i was reading about this and like james had said let me bring up my notes he said don't tread on me i love the song but it shocked other people because everyone thought it was pro-war when they thought we were anti-war and all we're doing is writing songs, we're not standing political on any side. And I don't think this is pro-war. What it's, I mean, it's that idea that you should be proactive in making sure that you have, you're equipped to defend yourself. It could be defending yourself physically. It could be de- to defend your ideas, defend yourself intellectually. And to me, that's what it's, they're more abstract to me. They're not specifically saying, no, just, you know, and they're taking them, borrowing from um, uh, the Patrick Henry and, and all these different literary uh, places, which again, I, I was a bit of a sucker for. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think that's kind of a misunderstanding to say that this is a, a very warry type song. I think the great lyrics. Yeah, so yeah. be it, threaten no more to secure pieces to prepare for war. Now, so be it, threaten no more. So be it, settle the score. The cadence of those and the difference in, in that sort of um, that couplet, the way he changes the number of syllables and punches them fucking brilliant it's kind of tom petty-esque isn't it totally right brilliant songwriting yeah it always kind of reminded me of tom petty and and yeah especially settle the score like the way he hits the score yeah very very much yeah Yeah. Uh, i always thought this song could have been called uh, don't fuck with us because that's kind of the theme of the song right just (laughs) yeah fuck off (laughs) yeah don't fuck with us There's another one. Touch me again for the words that you'll hear evermore. That yeah. can kind of be a word jumble in your mouth, right? But but the way he kind of puts it together, it's it really yeah. works. When you listen to what Lars is playing there too, you know, in another in another take, and maybe my brother-in-law bought that, you know, the big compilation with all the you know, basically got 15 vinyl, 78 CDs, and like, oh, yeah. like 93 <laughs> DVDs and whatever. Of like, just it, a black it album, eight, it weighs eight tons. Yeah, you know, <laughs> eight hundred dollars. <laughs> I bet there's a, I bet you I fuck I will put money on this that there's a take where instead of that Tom thing that he's doing there that I bet you did the double kick thing but the Tom thing there works perfectly again like I've I've ragged on Lars and will rag on Lars a lot but I think he gets so much right there yeah. 
fucking great, man. And, oh, and, that's and, a great little. And, and the lead guitar, like way back, we can just playing little accents. Yeah. It's so great. So I won. This is where I was wondering about it because when I saw, and I'm obviously going to be showing my hand here because I really like this song. I was amazed they've only done this one twenty times live. Oh, you know, when I listen through this, James is not a big fan. Times. Wow, yeah, yeah. It was James I mean, that said, just... yeah, he, he's th he thinks it's one of the weaker ones on this record. Well, me and James are going to disagree when we get to our uh, ratings, but... <laughs> well, he said it, not one of his favorites musically. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not complex. There's not no. a ton... Well, they're actually, though... We've gone past it now, but they're in the in the chorus, they play two full major chords. So we'll get to it again, and they sound, it just changes the whole dynamic of the song. Musically, I think this is actually really quite fucking interesting. Mm -hmm. Don't overdo it anywhere. No one's again. No one's playing over top of each other. There's a lot of space in the song. We talk about this with Van Halen, right? Yep. Those songs like Pound Cake, where there's lots of space in the song, and you can hear everything that's going on. Same thing with this one. Sad but true was kind of like that too. Yeah. Which is what I liked about it. But this one's the same where there's loads of space in here. I can hear everything that everyone's playing. It's fantastic. And then they all punch on "Don't Tread on Me." Like everything comes yep. together on "Don't Tread on Me." Like all all yeah. five pieces. Like you have the voice. You have the bass, you have the two guitars, you have the drums. Just all Definitely, punching yeah. there. It's really cool. All right. Uh, my next one is 233, the solo. Did you have one before then? Start a week. Well, I had 233, but start a week. We're going to go about 228 because there's that little, um, instead of doing the hitch step that they did the first time, they do a little bit of drag here. So they change up it, but it's, it's again, it's one of those things that, this is what I was wondering. I mean, they only played it 20 times, apart from James not loving it. I kind of wonder whether it was really fucking hard to play because, well, I mean, unless you just leave those out and just play straight through them. But to play what they do on those two parts is really fucking hard because it's really cool. use the word on uh, your Aerosmith podcast stank oh mate that what and I was wondering too because there's a couple of points in there and I don't think it is now that I've kind of listened to it again but tonight but it almost sounds early on in that solo that he's using a voice box as well it's there's just a weird it's obviously I mean it's the war pedal it's probably like I don't I don't of, think they've ever used voice box no I, I think it's, it's probably phase or something but it gives this this really weird quality yeah and again, like I didn't love the soul, the you know the the flange, or the, sorry, the war solo on the last song. This one, I think, is just like, oh man, that. What else could you play there? That's but perfect. Now here's where I turn into Kevin Brown a little bit. I thought Lars was a little too busy during the solo there, and it, it kind of contradicted what 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 Kirk was doing. It wasn't like I do a Van Halen show where it's two brothers, Alex and Eddie, yeah. and they're doing they're perfect syncopation, right? They're perfectly melded together. This one here, they're kind of battling each other. I thought. And Lars had put in a fucking roll for no reason. And it's like, I want to hear Kurt here. I don't want to hear fucking Tony Banks noodling on his keyboard. I want to hear <laughs> Lars, you know, going off. Uh, I, Lars is more objectionable to me on this track than he was on the last track. <laughs> interesting, yeah. That's really interesting because on this one, I'm like, I can sort of figure it out. And I think maybe why I'm a little bit more forgiving on this one is because I think the things that he's playing are better. You think so? It, yeah. During the I solo there, like there was a couple things where it's like, you didn't need to do that. 
You did need no, to put that there. Yeah, no, you didn't. But it, I think it's, it matches the frenetic energy of the solo. Maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe I just love that solo so much that I wasn't <laughs> listening to the drums as much like you said earlier. Where there you go. You know, yep. if you listen to one part, you're not. So the solo is very good. But this is the one where Lars is like, "Shut up, shut up, Stephen, <laughs> shut up, Lars." Yep, I get it. I get it. So you get some of those little licks as well, right? I mean, which don't... So far on this album, I don't remember a ton of those. I think on Enter Sandman, you get a bit of them mm-hmm. in that sort of outro section, but there's not a lot of that, you know, because Slash, Slash is one of the masters of that. Joe Perry's a master of that, of just filling in those spaces. When you get to this part of the song, you think, well, we can just build now, we can roll it out. And don't hear that too much in Metallica, so I was like, fuck, I love that. And this song doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, it, it's going to be reflected in my score, too. Like, it's 401. And it should be about 401, but I love how the, yeah, it was the chorus. Then they cut into a little bit of a verse, and then back to the chorus. Like, not even a full verse. It was like yeah. they, they cut the chorus in half, stuck two lines from a verse in there, and then back into the chorus. Unless we should just roll roll through and let, let's play the outro. Okay. Or the, sorry, the ending, because the end is fucking cool as fuck. Yeah, so. it is. Yeah, we got to play it. Yeah, no fade go. on that one. Just don't tread on me. Love it. And there you, you, you hear the cymbal ring? Finish a fucking song. Come on. That's good shit. <laughs> well, it's okay. Well, how does this one land for you, Corey? You know what? Uh, this is my lowest rated song on the show here tonight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, musically, I gave it a paltry uh, 8.5. Yeah. Uh, I really, really dig it. But Lars is a little too much for me on this one. Uh, lyrically, I gave it an 8.5. Love the lyrics. A little too repetitive. Maybe could have switched it up a little bit. Um, yep. You know, there, again, there's only really kind of, you know, two real verses in this, and then it's just repeating the chorus quite a few times. So a little too repetitive, I think, uh, for me, but still yep. dug it quite a bit. Uh, production, I gave it a five, though, because I think it sounds amazing. I think it's the perfect length. It ends perfect. It starts perfect. Yeah. I really had no complaints about the production on this song. So I gave it eight and a half, eight and a half, and five. How about you, Kevin Brown? Musically, ten. Nice. Ten. I love that riff, the heavy riff, the chugga chugga, which I don't always love. Mm-hmm. Um, the swing again I mean I like that timing the ascending progression's cool because it's weird the major chords in the chorus that I mean changes the dynamic of it completely and again this is where this is the song I was talking about where I love Hetfield's delivery because <laughs> in this song the attitude that he adds to the lyrics is fantastic you need that attitude in a song about you know you don't do. fuck with us right yeah <laughs> when it works so lyrics are my nine because again I think that some of those literary allusions to secure pieces to prepare for war is excellent. I love that contrast in the cadence. Like I said, the so be it, threaten no more, so be it, settle the score. I just I, That just does it for me. That's good writing. Yep. So 10 and 9, music and lyrics, production 4.5, and I'm only docking half a point. And now that I've heard it, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to hear that fucking snare. It's, <laughs> it, it's so loud. 
And then when you get that little bit where it gets dialed back for some reason, whether that was just a, I don't know, I'd have to listen to it a few times again to find out if they're trying to get it out of the way of something else happening, which I think is probably the case. I just think it immediately sounds better. So if you'd had the snare brought down just that little bit, I think the whole album gets better. But it's a really tiny quibble. And you know what? If you said to me, Kev, I think you should give someone a five on production, I'd have no problem giving it a five. So, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna fucking call an order. I'm changing. I'm going <laughs> 10, 9, and 5. Because now that I've thought about it, I, I, it doesn't spoil the song for me at all, where on the first two it was distracting, I found. On this one, it's not. I actually think that, Corey... I don't know. I wouldn't say necessarily. Is it the best song on the record? No. Is it my favorite that I've heard so far? I think it is. And you know what? It might save your life favorite. someday. <laughs> you could be walking down the what streets are... of Saskatoon and some, you know, drug pusher is coming your way. I, I saw uh, the emergency paramedic show shot in Saskatoon. I know many drugs you do in that city. Someone could be coming up <laughs> ready to shiv you or something. Get out your phone, Blur. Don't tread on me, and he'll run off into the bush. So. I was just thinking, you know, the other, the other side of that is, I mean, it could be, you know, if, when I'm in Winston's and I'm having a couple of pints and some, you know. 48 year old woman comes and tries to hit on me just play that because it repels cougars there you go it repels cougars yeah proven proven fact all right let's get into our side b totals here uh i love this side quite a bit uh, i love this whole album actually uh, i was yeah. very high on the first i was nine and a half nine and a half four and a half on side a on side b i'm nine nine and four and a half uh so that gives me uh uh, what are we at here? Uh, oh, sorry, nine and a half, nine and four and a half. I'm at. Excuse me, I, okay. I screwed that up. So nine and a half, nine and four and a half. That's twenty three out of twenty five, or ninety two percent, on side B. Wow. Of Metallica, the Black Album. There, 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 I don't, I don't know if there's a, a stinker on this record. I, I know we're going to get into some deeper cuts in side C and side D uh, that we're going to have some discussion about, and I'm going to yep. mark a little lower. But these first two sides are so fucking good. So I'm 92% uh, on the first two sides here. Kevin Brown, uh, what is your side B total? And then what is your side A and B uh, combined total? Oh, shit, I didn't do that. Of course um, okay, you did. So, you have one job. Think, well, like, fuck. I'm pretty sh- Anyway, okay, so it's weird because on both sides of this album so far that we've covered, there's been song, one song I really like. So it was Sad But True and then um, this one we just talked about. Mm-hmm. There's been one song that I don't mind but don't love which was Unforgiven and not, or, um, Enter Sandman. And then there's been one song that I just think is a bit crap for me, right? <laughs> again, just for what I like to listen to. So that's kind of interesting to me that... I think, too, that, you know, the way Metallica broke this record up is interesting because they didn't front-load it, I don't think, as much as they could have done. Because there's another track... What's the track on side three that's this huge... Nothing Else Matters. Nothing Else Matters, right? Which is on side three of the record. Yeah. So that's, you could definitely throw that on instead of, I don't know, fucking, what was that third song on side one that I just thought, yeah, I just don't think that should exist. But Holier Than uh, Thou? Holier Than Thou was that, fuck. But I suppose that's 347 and nothing else matters, 628. So they were probably thinking of the vinyl considerations, right, Corey? That's what they were thinking. They In were. 91? I don't know if they were. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that again, I found that interesting. So my overall... Um, was 8 for music, 8.5 for lyrics, 3 for production. And again, my production score drops here just because of the length of those first two songs. And, oh, man, Lars is, is he's just he's, he's, he's hobbling this album for me a little bit, but not much because I've still given it a 19.5 overall, which is a pretty fucking good score. It's higher than I gave a lot of the Genesis sides. <laughs> that is true. Right? So, you know. Uh, in total, for side A, B, we're at 42.5 out of 50, which is 85%. Okay. Wow. 
well, definitely I've dragged you down there. <laughs> dragged your average down there. But I kind of expected that too. I mean, you know, we're dealing with a band here that I'm not... I wasn't a big fan of this of this band coming into this uh, this season, but as we talked about, you know, the, the first episode last week and on the album, uh, the season wrap on season one, I was really looking forward to the season because I've I, and I have found things that I'm like, I really like that, and I've had my mind changed. I'm, my mind has changed on James Hetfield side by side. The more I read interviews, the more I kind of watch little documentary bits. I think I actually think this guy, I, he's not exactly what I thought he was. He's not this big, brash, stupid, dumb, you know, shouty person. Far He's from. A thoughtful, intelligent, articulate musician who does his fucking best to write really interesting parts. So I'm, I'm all over that. So, well, I tell you, uh, 19 and a half, like you said, that's higher than a lot of Genesis records uh, size it that is, you yeah. gave. So yeah, it's probably I'm just definitely higher than side two of uh, Abacab. Like, I know <laughs> that for sure. <laughs> there ain't no who done it on this on either of these sides yet. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, pretty good scores. Yeah, I was ninety two percent, and you were seventy eight percent. So that averages out to eighty five. There we go. So now, now I'm thinking about what did I give the final album grade on this record? Am I close? And I don't know. I, I might be kind of close right now. How are you doing? How are you? How confident are you? I you don't remember, remember, do you? No, I don't course. remember. I never. Remember. <laughs> I think I probably. Yeah, I just fucking don't remember. I mean, I like, this again. This one was harder because I'm like, well, I, you know, it's going to be high because Corey loves this album. And I'm sure that the the highest rated side is going to be on this album. So take your pick probably between side A and side B. Because I can't really see, you know, I don't think side C of Reload is going to take home the, you know, <laughs> the prize. So. That may have been the one I picked for lowest. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what, uh, what time it is now. You know what? I'm going to play a little. This is Four Horsemen. Yeah. From Kill 'em All, so it's time to play the Big Four. Kevin Brown, you're going to pick four artists from Spotify, and I'm yeah. going to have to try and rank them by their monthly listeners. Absolutely. Here are your four bands, Randy. Randy, Randy Jesus. Podcast. So used to saying Randy on podcast. Dude, you commonly Boring. call out the wrong name when you're making love to your wife. He's <laughs> oh Randy. <laughs> that's got to be awkward. Can you imagine how much trouble that would get me. <laughs> I bet you that's happened at least three times. <laughs> this week <laughs> so here we go. as if you got laid three times in a week oh come on yeah, everyone knows that <laughs> okay so here your, your bands are metallica oh. obviously okay but then your other three are all new wave of british heavy metal bands okay you got saxon iron maiden and judas priest all right well, i'm gonna go metallica first yep and now i'm conflicted on two and three i'm pretty sure saxon's four okay it's Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. I'm going to go Maiden, then Priest. So Maiden 2, Priest 3, Saxon 4. Corey Morissette, you were worried coming into this episode that I, I was because I got all my four. I was nervous, yeah. You've grand slammed it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Metallica, 24.5 million. Is it? Holy shit. Which is more than the other four combined. Yeah, that, 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 that tracks. <laughs> Iron Maiden, 7.6. Judas Priest, 4.9. Oh, I thought that'd be closer. Saxon, 474. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> God love him. God love him, yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you threw Saxon in there. Like, okay, at least I know which one's number four. We know which one's number four. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to be able to sleep tonight now. I'm so nervous because we're keeping score this year. We're going to have some sort of competition now with our yeah. with our big four. And it, it sucks because Metallica is pretty much going to be number one every time unless we pick, like, Taylor Swift and... Uh, drake or something stupid but 
Oh, I, I, I'm, I've got some. I've got some little twists. Uh, of course little, you do. You know, I got some little twists for you. So, uh, of you know. course you do. <laughs> See, the problem with this is now, you know, we could spend most of the rest of our lives just Google, uh, just looking at artists and making spreadsheets of how many fucking people have they got on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, neither of us would do because we're not losers. We're but not losers. Clearly. Not at all. But now this is a competition. I'm kind of invested. Like, I, I really, <laughs> I thought about it quickly. Oh, geez, Maiden and Priest. I, I would personally probably rank Priest higher, just yeah. for my own personal taste, but not by a lot. But I'm thinking, okay, you know, listeners, Spotify listeners, though. I know Maiden's been around longer, right? And you know they're 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 legends. Uh, but Maiden also had more songs that actually charted in in UK at least. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, Seventh Son was sorry. Um, can I play with Madness? Was that was a pretty? I think that might have made top ten. You know, really in, in the UK. I but think I like British Steel was such a huge record and uh... huge heavy metal record though, right? Which I'm not experts on either. I, I just know I, I like them. Oh, jeez, neither am I. Um, George has got to be listening to this and just banging his kay. head against the wall like these two idiots are doing a heavy metal podcast now. Like fuck, talk kay. about Genesis, get wankers. The three singles from Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, "Can I Play with Madness" reached number three on the UK chart. Wow. The Evil That Men Do reached number five on the UK chart. The Clairvoyant reached number six on the UK chart. I don't know any of those songs. Bring your daughter to the slaughter reached number one, which is inexplicable to me because that's a bunch of absolute fucking arse gravy. But yeah, they've had, they've had quite a few, you know, top ten. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, one, two, three, four. Did you just say arse gravy? Arse gravy, yeah. <laughs> Body water. <laughs> so yeah, they've had like. Please don't do that shirt. They're, they're, <laughs> they've had a dozen top ten singles in the UK, which Priest definitely haven't. So see and. Sad. I... And I think in North America, I'm just guessing, I would think maybe Priest charted more than, than Maiden did. Maiden obviously had Run to the Hills. That was their big one, I think, in North America. Right. But outside of that, I don't know if the, if they charted a ton in, like, in the top 40. Priest never had a UK top 10 single. Wow. Um, Not breaking the law. Yeah. Number four in US. Um, breaking the law, I don't see as a single. Really? Oh, yeah, there it was. Um, didn't chart in the US. Okay. 12 in UK. Yeah, so I think Priest is a metal fan's metal band, right? Where Maiden kind of had a period where they stretched into that sort of more pop sensibility. Wow. Am bit. I wrong? I always thought Priest was maybe more commercial than, than Maiden, yeah. at least over here. But Yeah. What do I know? About as much as me. <laughs> I, I only podcast because I have the microphone. That's about it. I got a decent <laughs> mic, and I got spare time. I have a microphone, so you will listen to every goddamn word I have to say. <laughs> Pretty good Adam Sandler. Yeah. Sir, I will strangle you with my microphone wire. That's my favorite line in that whole movie. <laughs> and by I far his best ra- movie, I got to say. What? Oh, I mean by miles, yeah. Billy Madison in second, but yeah. everything else is like... Well, I, I would be put Happy Gilmore too, and then Billy oh, Madison Oh, sorry, Happy three. Gilmore, of course, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. But everything else... It's shit. Care. It's dog shit. Yeah, just don't, don't watch it. What was the what was the the devil movie? Little Nicky. Little Nicky was awful. It I remember painful to oh, watch. I, I used to own a video store, and the year that it came out, <laughs> Click was the number one rented video oh, in our God. store. I thought that's such a bad fucking movie. Like, I, I lost all faith in people in, in my town. So like, that's the shit you're <laughs> renting. God, there's so much better movies. Yeah, no fucking kidding. I mean, when like you know a movie's bad when Christopher Walken can't rescue it. Exactly. Right, right. I mean, oh, and he's going to be in the new Dune movie. It's going to be great. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Okay, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, Join us again next week when we look at side three or side C of uh, Metallica's 1991 self-titled album, Metallica. Come check us out on social media at Ultimate Catalog Clash on Facebook and You Catalog Clash on Twitter and on Blue Sky because we're on Blue Sky now too, Corey. Oh, nice. Um, and I'm still trying to get those on threads. I keep forgetting about that. But um, check out my other shows, The Tom Petty Project and Seaside Pod Review. And if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Kev Brown Canada. And I'm refusing to call it X, Corey. I'm sticking to my principles. Perfect. It's fucking Twitter until it, until it dies in the next three months. Um, where can people find you, Corey? All uh, the, the shows that you got going on and uh, your personal. Where's your personal life? Tell them your address. You know. Oh, sure. Come on down to Saskatchewan. No, don't do that. Fuck, it's cold here. It's miserable. It's flat. It's boring. Don't do that. But you can find me on uh, Twitter. Uh, at CD Morset. I also uh, do a show with Mark Meyer called And the Podcast Will Rock, where we're breaking down the Van Heon catalog, and a little show called Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited, where Scott Haskin and I are breaking down the Aerosmith catalog. Uh, you can find them on Twitter as well at Podcast Will Rock and at BT Aerosmith. Beautiful. Okay, look, that's it for this week. You just go stop fucking listening to podcasts. Go be productive. Go do something with your lives. Go make a podcast, and we'll listen to it, and we'll comment on your posts. Until we see you next week, thanks for listening, folks.